just getting started. This is South Coast Tonight with Chris McCarthy and Marcus Farrow. They've got you covered on all the news of the day. From local issues to politics on both sides of the aisle. This is the place where the movers and shakers come to be heard. To listen. And where they're held accountable. This is South Coast Tonight on WBSM. Marcus, Chris is out for tonight. He'll be back tomorrow. We're going to be sitting down with Mayor John Mitchell tomorrow. He'll begin at 7, along with me and Chris, who will be with you for the show. But tonight, just me, I'm going to be joined by Paul Santos pretty soon. Whenever that event gets out, right, it depends on when it gets out. But pretty soon... He'll be joining us, and he's going to be talk reacting to um, just talking about what happened at the DA debate that's going on. It's so there's a couple of candidate forums. Um, there's the state rep primary between Cameron Costa and Chris Markey. Chris Markey being the incumbent, and there's the DA uh, primary between. Uh, D.A. Tom Quinn and Shannon McMahon. So we'll um, we'll talk more about those those elections. We'll talk about the candidates rate. We'll talk about the um, the you know which candidate he thinks won, which candidate he thinks you know which candidate he thinks presented better. If there's any uh, anything fiery, anything explosive that came out of the forum. We'll hear about all that. And we'll take your calls at 508-996-0500. For now, we talked about the Trump Mar-a-Lago thing. If you have any comments, call in. Let us know what you think. But I wanted to move on to some local stuff. Again, we got Paul Santos coming in. He's also going to tell the story about how he was on that cruise ship that got hit by the fishing boat, which I'm really interested in. That that story was on, is on WBSM.com. That happened about a week ago. You can check that out, but... He was on the cruise ship that got hit by the fishing boat. He's also singing at the feast. I'm going to ask him about that, too. Uh, it was like Friday day, I want to say. Yeah, like Friday day. Saturday day, maybe. I can't. The feast With the feast, it all blends together, right? It all blends together. You don't know which day is which. It's all one big day. But at the feast, the feast was really well attended, uh, I think record attendance, at least on Saturday, I think they're looking at record attendance uh, in a record hall in terms of cash and all that, you know, most of that cash goes to charity, which is amazing. It's really an amazing feat. Local charity, too. It goes it goes directly back into the community. So every shot of Madeira you bought, every, every linguista sandwich that you bought, every, I don't know, meat for the pit all the meat for the pit that you bought that all is going straight right back to the community scholarship funds other local charities etc so but there were a lot of candidates there 
right? So we talked a little bit about this yesterday. I have a column on WBSM.com that sort of talks about who was there. And I think more importantly, or just as important, who they were with. Because candidates, they don't typically show up on their own. They're usually getting, you know, they're usually getting a tour from somebody who's more familiar with the area, right? So, for example, Maura Healy, I mean, she's the only Democrat. We're still in primary season. The primary, by the way, is September 6th. You should go vote. It's the primary. So go vote. Uh, Because if you vote, here's the thing. If you vote in the primary, if you show up and you vote in the primary... You can early vote, too, or you can mail in a ballot. But if you participate in the primary, if enough people in the South Coast, the greater New Bedford area, the greater Fall River area in the South Coast, if they participate in the primary, if they have enough vote share here, that will signal to people that this is an area that needs to be taken seriously. Don't vote. And local elections and statewide elections are really the only ones you can you can control. You can't do anything about the Biden the Biden Trump stuff. It's important who our president is, of course. It's important and talking about these issues, right, that are happening. I'm not saying they're unimportant, but they're completely out of your control. What's in your control though is who's your state rep? Who's your senator? Right? Who's your U.S. senator? Who's your congressperson? Who's your governor? Who's your attorney general? That's all very much within your control. Not only who is your governor, like, you can control which candidate represents the party you want locally. At a local level, you can choose which candidate represents your political party. So, September 6th, go out there. It's the day after Labor Day. Go vote or vote early or send in a mail-in ballot. But we were talking about, I want—I was talking about all the candidates that came. All the I mean, there were a lot of primary candidates. You had Eric Lesser, who um, is, the, well, Maura Healy was there. She was being walked, uh, you know, she's being, she went on a little tour with Mayor Mitchell, with Mayor Mitchell, with Tony Cabral, Rep. Tony Cabral, Rep. Uh, Chris Markey, Rep. Bill Strauss. Uh, Andrea Campbell came down. Uh, Andrea Campbell is uh, a Boston City, the former Boston City Council president and candidate for attorney general to replace Maura Healy. Maura Healy was campaigning with her early in Boston. And so she, Maura Healy came down, then Andrea Campbell came down as well to um, walk the feast grounds, meet the patrons and all that. But um, 508-996-0500. Yeah, so... Uh, you had Eric Lesser, candidate for lieutenant governor that was there. Dina DeZaglio, state auditor candidate who came into our show after she was at the feast. Uh, came into South Coast tonight. Anthony Amori, candidate for state auditor, came in after South Coast tonight. Um, Kim Driscoll, candidate for lieutenant governor, former mayor of Salem. She came in. 508-996-0500 is how you can get in the program. Um, yeah, so... They were all there, and you get to choose which one of them represents your party if you vote on September 6th. It's, a, it's important. It's important. So I think it was, you know, a lot of people are saying, I've written columns about who was there, what they were doing there, 
who they were with. Like, Eric Lesser was with Tony Cabral. He was with Tony Cabral, uh, Chris Hendricks, who were wearing Eric Lesser um, stickers. So they were supporting Eric Lesser, who's a senator from Longmeadow, which is a Springfield suburb. He worked for Obama. He worked for the Obama administration. He worked directly under David Axelrod, I believe, which was Obama's one of Obama's senior advisors and his chief political architect. He was there. He was walking with the, the rest of the delegation, Bill Strauss and Chris Markey and Paul Schmidt. They were there. He was um, uh, he was in the parade. So he was in the parade after. And Kim Driscoll was there. She was in, uh, She was at the One South Coast Chamber event that was held by Ian Abreu. I got to talk to her there for a little bit. She met with... Um, she, you know, I, she was. She met with Councilor Abreu. Was endorsed by Councilor Abreu. Senator Zaglia was there with members of the City Council, and um, uh, Tony Cabral and Chris Hendricks, and uh, was endorsed by them as well. So it's important, you know, you get to see who in your local delegation, who are your local representatives, are supporting in these important statewide races. Five zero eight nine nine six zero five hundred. Good evening. Thanks for holding. Hi, Marcus. What's up? I want to I want to revisit the uh, Trump episode. Yeah, absolutely. Let's do it. For six years straight, all I would hear on the TV was "lock her up, lock her up." It's just absolutely incredible. Yeah. Emails that didn't amount to a hill of beans. Lock her up. Now we have the we don't know the full story on the Trump uh, documents, but he took 25 cases, at least 25 cases of documents from the White House to his home in Mar-a-Lago. And the, the FBI was negotiating with Trump and his attorneys to release some of the documents. And uh, Trump was not forthcoming. And that's why they went to get a, a warrant to to uh, go into his house and basically go into the uh, safe in his house and get the documents. Right. Now, what is in those documents? I really don't know, and we're going to have to wait to find out. But I could speculate. I remember when Trump was president and he met with Putin. Yeah. And the only he, he, he had a translator, an American translator and a Russian translator in the room. And he refused to uh release the transcripts of the conversation mm-hmm. with Putin. Now maybe that's in the in the uh, this is speculation, maybe that's in the uh Maybe that's in some of the boxes that uh, that are in, in Mar-a-Lago. I don't know. We'll have to find wait and find out. But I did hear that a lot of the documents that he took were very highly classified. Yeah. The highest level of classification that the government could give to a document. So there's got to be some damning uh, uh, documents in there 
that Trump did not want, does not want to reveal, or he wouldn't be going to all the trouble of fighting with the FBI to to hold on to those documents. Now, what what's 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 the result going to be? Are we ever going to find out what what was in those documents? I mean, we're, if they recover them, we're, we're gonna. They, there's again, there's just no way. I'm not saying the FBI is the most well-run organization that they haven't made some some blunders throughout their career, but I think Chris Christopher Ray and I think the people at the Justice Department, Merrick Garland, are probably competent enough and smart enough to know that whatever they do really has to stick; otherwise, they're done for. So you got that right. So you're definitely, you're definitely <laughs> absolutely right about that. They know that this is a political bombshell. Yeah, they know it's huge, and if they don't have anything that's substantial, it's really going. It, 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 if it doesn't stick, and again, I think the same thing with the the clerk magistrate that signed off on this. I, I think they would have to know the the consequences of this and still feel like it was important enough to to execute that it was a big enough threat to national security or public it was a big enough public interest to know that that's that's what they that 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 they had to do it because otherwise if they're just doing it for a violation of like archival law that's just that's, not that's, going to cut it that's not going to cut it right because i think probably every not going to cut it because i think probably every president has a few boxes around the house right i think probably every, because you're supposed to by presidential records laws turn over all, all documents that you presumably don't declassify but i bet there's probably some gray areas in which presidents might have some declassified um box that might have some boxes that they didn't declassify again i just don't think it it just it has to be something more the documents that they have have to be something more substantial have to reveal something more than just a violation of the fact you know it has to be more than the fact that he just has them those documents have to reveal more to that than that than the fact that he just has them it has to be something more exactly what did he say to kim il jong what did he say to muhammad uh, the, the guy from Saudi Arabia. What did he say to Putin? All those doc, all those documents are highly sensitive and highly uh, top security. Yeah. And if, I, I'm going to speculate and say that he knew that these documents could could would be very damning if they got out yeah. to the public. And that's the reason. This is a speculation. I don't have any proof, but that's the reason he refused to give up his fight to remain president despite mm. losing the election because he didn't want and he wanted to control those documents if he got into the white house they would never see the light of day that's interesting i haven't thought of it that uh, thought of it like that thanks for the call appreciate it thank you bye yeah that could be it right I, I mean, it better be <laughs> right it better be something that consequential otherwise God, I don't know, man. <laughs> All right, if you're on the line, stay on the line. We're going to take a break. We'll be right back. 1420 W. McCarthy and, uh, and Paul Santos. So we're going to take a call first at 508-996-0500. Let's go to the phones. Good evening. Hey, good evening. It's Ron Blunt out, huh? Yeah. Well, that's good. We needed yeah. it, right? 
You know, it was the, 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 it was the hottest 21 days in the history of Boston. In the, uh, over 150 years of records, the hottest three weeks on, on, on record for Boston. Oh, I believe it. Yeah. Um, about the Trump thing, um, you know Trump's slick. If he has anything important, it, the stuff's gone. He took that out of the safe and destroyed it. He guaranteed it. What? Say that one more time. Trump is slick. He took if he had anything important in that safe, he's taken it out and destroyed it or hid it somewhere else. Well that's why it's a no knock, right? Because yeah. they they don't they didn't want to give him a heads up on it. And I guess mm-hmm. you're right, right? If those records are if they're the only copies Right, why is he yeah, I I know. It's there's a lot to there's a lot to think about. <laughs> See, is, 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 we're in a really tough position right now. We have a horrible president, and we got a bunch of crazies out there that are rooting for Trump. Trump, he's this, he's that. He walks on water, all that. I understand some people just like Donald Trump, and then you get the the Donald Trump extremist. Mm-hmm. But um, like Paul, no, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> but. Uh, I don't think, I think Trump's going to get away with it. Um, it's going to be interesting because things are starting to turn a little bit. Who's going to be the top presidential candidates come 2024? Yeah, there's a lot to, there's a lot to think about there. It depends on, a lot of it will depend on the midterms, how the midterms shake out with as far as Biden goes. If, I think if he holds on to the Senate and they, they don't lose that much in the House, I think he's probably the guy in 24. They, they just, they roll him out. Um, with Trump, I still think he wins it. I know the, the polling isn't great. I still think he wins a primary against DeSantis. So I think it'll be, I think it'd be a rematch. Yeah. Oh, what? Hillary and Trump? No, Hillary's done. Hillary's yeah, done. Yeah, I think she's done yeah, too. No, Hillary's but... done. I don't know, man. Yeah. I, it's just you're going to have four more years of you're just going backwards. So Trump, yeah, everybody says he was great. I don't think he was that great. Um, yeah, I don't think everybody it, says he's great because if they did, he, he wouldn't he wouldn't have lost the election, right? Yeah. Would, <laughs> they didn't know. They didn't. I think because Biden's been so bad, people forgot where we actually were when Trump was in. So Trump right. looks like a blinking right now. Yeah. So I want to say one more thing to you, and I'm going to let you guys go. I still have that um, gunnery sergeant's number. I'll drop it off to you when I can. I've been real busy. Sounds good, man. Thanks. We appreciate it. All right. Have a good night, guys. You as well. All right. Well, we're with Paul Santos, uh, WBSM's Paul Santos. You're actually you're going to be in on Saturday, right? Yeah, that's right. Uh, Jessica Machado is moving into the morning to fill in for Ken Pittman from 9 to 12, and I would be in for Jessica Machado. Saturday afternoon between 1 and 4. It'll be fun. So she's going to have her intro music, right? So mm-hmm. what are you going to have? I don't know. I would think that she might have Ken Pittman's intro music, and I'm going to have hers. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I imagine. I don't know. Whatever it is, it is, right? Well, stay tuned to find out, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> it's a cliffhanger. Um, what do you have before we get into it? What do you have? Because I, I hear there's there's a lot to get into. What do you have on deck for Saturday? Well, actually, we're going to talk a little bit about it tonight, too, because I heard you mention it on the drive-in. You know, I was on that cruise ship that was struck by the New Bedford yeah. fishing boat. So, 
at the feast, right? I was walking around the feast a couple of days, including that time I was singing that I heard you mention. I was walking around the feast, and I was running into a lot of people that saw a little video that I put up, which I did, because right outside of our balcony, the tender boats went in the water, so I shot some video of that. But, you know, I ran into some fishing men, fishermen, fishing captains and stuff like that. And uh, once I was talking about, you know, what happens on a fishing boat, how does the radar work, how does the watchman work, you know, I don't know anything about that, even though I'm a New Bedford native. And so I was intrigued by that. So a friend of mine who is a fisherman is going to come on the show on Saturday cool. and explain what the heck could have happened. Now, again, he's going to not speculate. He's just going to say, here's how it works. Here's how a fishing boat is set up. Here's how the radar works. Here's what the watchman's supposed to do. Cool. And so on and so forth. And I can explain also, you know, my own experience about what happened on the ship. And then the second thing is, you know, this big issue has come up about the cell phones. You know, the kids in Dartmouth High School have to drop off the cell phones, you know. Well, a Dartmouth High School student has agreed to come on the show. Cool. It's somebody that's also a singer and writes music and a very outstanding young person who's good to talk to and was willing to talk about that and her music as well. So we'll kind of rope that very into cool. a, to a top issue and also talk about her music. So a couple of good issues, I think, on a Saturday afternoon. Yeah, I think that's good. That cell phone story has uh, definitely been pretty big. It's been a, it's still a lot to unpack there, so mm-hmm. um, all really interesting stuff. But in the more immediate moment, we have you just got back from a candidate forum, and uh, tell us tell us about who was there, what it was about. All right, there were two uh, different forums. The first one was the state representative forum. And, and th- sorry, this was put on by what the town Dems in Dartmouth, or no? It was a DCTV, which is Dartmouth Community Television, okay. WBSM. And the Dartmouth Week, which is that newspaper run by Christopher Shea, I believe. He's yeah, the top and uh, reporter Kate Robinson one. was there, right? And Kate Robinson was there from WBSM. I think yeah. you might hear some sound tomorrow because there were some uh, testy exchanges, especially in the DA's uh, forum. The Excellent. first forum was the state rep between Christopher Markey and challenger like Cameron that. Costa. And the other one was uh, Thomas Quinn and the challenger Shannon, Shannon McMahon, McMahon, who was a former assistant DA who worked for him. Yes. And she's running against him. Yes. So that was the second debate. So I, I suppose you could say that that was, you know, you had the lead in and then that was the headliner, you know? Yeah. I mean, that's um, that's the bigger. I mean, I would say that's a that's a it's a big thing. Right. The DA. Uh, it, but yeah. So the that one got testy, you said, mm-hmm. between McMahon and, and Quinn. And they know, again, she used to work for him, so they know each other. I'd like to know about that. But let's start with the let it, let's start with the. Um, Let's start with the state rep de- uh, debate between Cameron Costa and Chris Markey. Now, Chris Markey's the incumbent. Cameron Costa's the challenger. Uh, what do you think? Who, who do you think? Who do you think won? Well, I got to tell you, I think the incumbents have such an advantage because, of course. you know, they have all of the numbers. They've been dealing with the numbers. They can just recite numbers and statistics. And they're they doing so, the job. Yeah, yeah, they're doing the job. So they, yeah. they have so much more at their fingertips. So they can just reel off stuff all the time. This is what they do all day. Whereas the challenger is at a little bit of a disadvantage. Plus, you have somebody like Representative Markey who's been an attorney for 30 years. Uh, you and I are both attorneys. You get used to just standing up and arguing stuff. So Representative Mark- Markey, very smooth in his presentation. Born, born and bred in politics with dad's... Right. I, I, was just, I was just driving down Union Street, the John Markey Plaza, right? Yes, is absolutely. There on, right. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, Route 18 in Union. So, yeah, and, he, and right. He's been there. He's chair of the Ethics Committee. And so he, he you, you just have to present like, hey, listen, uh, I'm up there. I'm doing my job. I should keep doing my job, right? Exactly. 
and did he convey that message effectively? Yeah, I think he did. I think he did convey that effectively. I will say this, though. The, cha- uh, the challenge of Cameron Costa, very smooth, impressive young gentleman. I'm not sure how old he is. I mean, everybody looks like they're under 30 to me. <laughs> yeah. But he's a young gentleman, very smooth, very articulate, a very polite kind of a debate. Never really got testy. Just had to do with, hey, we need some young blood in there. Mm-hmm. You know, a little bit of a change of guard. You know, a couple of disagreements here and there. You know, for example, there was one about the wealth tax, right? You've heard about this wealth tax. Yes. Chris Markey is against the wealth tax. So the tax, the wealth tax for people who don't know is a, well, I don't know what percent tax on uh, income over a million dollars. Right, right? 4%. 4% tax over on a million. Income over a million. So Christopher Markey is against that, right? So he explains the reason why. He says that it only really affects such a tiny percentage of the population. Yeah. That it really doesn't bring in a lot of money. And then he also says it's bad economics. This is his point of view. His challenger, Mr. Costa, says, well, but still, you know, like we should still take that that income, that added income from people that can afford it like that over a million dollars and try to put that to work. But then Mr. Markey's counter to that because in that particular debate, we could do three. You could do the first person spoke, the second person spoke, and then there was a rebuttal. Christopher Markey says, well, you know, it's not like I'm against increasing taxes on people and afford it. His position was that I was in favor of a 1% increase on everybody over 100000 which yeah. means like somebody that makes 100000 they pay 300 bucks. So then it's more evenly distributed, and it also brings in more money. So that was his opinion. Costa said, no, wait a minute, a million dollars, 4%. That's not going to kill anybody. That's not going to hurt the economy. We should do that. We should do the wealth tax. So, but, but Mark, again, I just I don't think that's enough of a wedge issue, really. To, no, to, no, know? no, exactly. If that's, he's trying to make that his wedge issue, right? I just don't think that works. No, I mean, I think that's why I said I think this debate was a lot more, a lot more low key. You know, there was some disagreements here or there. Yeah. You know, they talked a little bit about Bliss Corner. You know, trying to figure out who's responsible for the whole Bliss Corner mess. For those who don't know, there's the you know, hazardous waste over there and that, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. I can see you. Your eyes are rolling back in your head. It is. It's just, it's, well, here's the thing. It's like, it's like, this isn't going to do anything. Like, this isn't, this isn't going to win Cameron Cause of the election to mm-hmm. talk about Bliss Corner, right? right. Mm-hmm. This yeah. Bliss Corner happened, like, before Chris Markey was even born. Well, yeah, and I think, you know, a lot of it had to do with, okay, there were questions that were asked. They tried to answer the questions as best they could. Uh, the moderators tried to come up, or the questioners tried to come up with questions that they thought, you know, yeah. had to do with this particular district and stuff like that. There was a question that came up about the licenses for aliens. and That's good. Uh, yeah, th- but I have to That's confess, good. this was right before I had just gotten there. I was trying to organize who was going to ask a question and who was going to answer so I have Chris Markey's position, but I for some reason I didn't jot down Cam Costa's position. I can position. figure out what his position is. What was Chris it's, Markey's? It's going to be opposite? <laughs> yeah, yeah. What was Chris Markey's position? Well, Chris Markey said he was against it. Yeah, Cameron Costa's, I would imagine, for it. All right. Well, yeah. and, you know, Chris Markey's reasoning was that, you know, that argument about cutting the line and, you know, somebody who, uh, you know, came here illegally shouldn't have their license as a privilege and, and that kind of thing. And then he said that, um, you know, that referendum, they're trying to put a referendum but he wouldn't be in favor of having a referendum. He just figured, you know, they voted on it, they had a vote, whatever it was. Yeah, of you course, know. he's not in favor of <laughs> well, people yeah. undoing the things that <laughs> well, he wants to do. Well, yeah. well, he, he made that the, makes sense. Well, you know, the argument that a lot of times people in office will make that it's a representative democracy, so we represent them, they do the research, they decide for That's us. That's exactly because, it. Yeah, yeah. I agree. So, so. <laughs> <laughs> I agree with him, but yeah, of course he would be. Yeah, he's right. like, I do all this work, you know, I'm up in Beacon Hill every day making this intrepid to Boston, and here you guys go, you know, signing this, you know, just 
filling in a little bubble. I, I agree with him yeah. 100%. You know, the thing is, you know, I, I think this issue came up one of the days I was filling in. And, you know, I, I, I start out from, okay, I usually start out an issue like I'm not on any side until I hear all the facts and the arguments. And one of the big arguments, the whole thing about the insurance, that kind of bothered me, you know, that someone is here, they're here for 20 years, they, they really can't become a citizen, they've been here, they've had a family, you know, they're really illegal, but they're still working and driving anyway, and all of a sudden they... uh they broadside Paul Santos coming down the street. Now, yeah. if you're somebody like myself or you that's an attorney that understands that you can buy extra insurance to protect yourself against that, fine. Sure. But some people aren't underinsured, so yeah. they get hit by somebody else, and now they can't do anything. Some people they, can't afford the supplemental insurance, right? Right, right. Yeah. But, but still, like a lot of people that, that didn't know that or don't know that, they would be hurt by that if yeah. somebody was driving around. So, you know, it, it almost became a public safety thing, so that's the argument on the other side. Yeah, thing. that's the argument on the other side. So that came up. That came yeah, up during the debate. Of course it's a public safety thing because... Yeah, the, I mean, in every state too, you're seeing a significant increase that it's that it's been legalized. You're seeing a significant increase in insured drivers, which is which is good. And plus, you're you know, they're getting training. They're on the roads, but now they're going to be trained to um, operate a vehicle. You know, they're going to know the rules of the road, and they're going to be able to do it without having to hide. So, yeah, no, I I I, I mean, I'm in support of it. Uh, I'm in support of the law again. I in in Dartmouth. I don't know if it's a significant enough wedge issue to get Cameron Costa over the hump with uh, with Chris Markey. So, well, I guess you'll skip over the idea about what we're going to do about the Payne Bridge and whether we're going to fix the Payne Bridge. I got to tell you. <laughs> I got to tell you, I couldn't care less about the Payton Aaron Bridge. <laughs> right, a, you, so can that, bu- you can blow up the Payton Aaron Bridge for all I care. I'm just kidding. I, I, no, I, <laughs> no, no, that's not something that, that I don't right. think that's something no, that plays right. to a larger mm-hmm. audience. I think, you know, obviously you're talking about the millionaire's tax, the the Work and Family Mobility Act. That's something that impacts all of us. The Payton Aaron Bridge is only good for people in Payton Aaron. And if you're listening in paid near him, you're the best. Uh, you know, I, I appreciate you tuning in. But uh, I don't care about your bridge. So um, <laughs> 508 is how you can get in the program. Let's talk about the DA's race. That's the spicy one. Yeah, I got a little spicy. I mean, they started off with, you know, a question about Roe versus Wade. If somebody came in from another state and Shannon McMahon said under no circumstances would she extradite that person. Uh, Quinn really didn't get into it too much other than to say that abortion rights have nothing to do with the prosecutor. You know, whatever laws that he has that are in front of him, he would prosecute whatever laws that are present. I think he kind of didn't, wasn't as direct on that as Shannon McMahon was. I don't know what, yeah, he really, trying to think back now because I don't want to misstate what he said. But it really, he got into more about, he did make that statement like, well, you know, being a prosecutor here has nothing, in Bristol County, has nothing to do with Roe versus Wade. And then went on to. That's correct. Yeah, right. Okay, so that's kind of what he said about that. Um Biggest issue Quinn was talking but it, about, but it, but it cost him nothing to sit there and 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 like pontificate on it, right? It cost him nothing to sit there and say, "Yeah, I would, I would, I would, you know, do everything I could to make sure that that person didn't get uh, extradited or something like that." It cost him nothing to say that, so I think it's interesting that he was tiptoeing on it, right? And then they talked about what was the biggest issue, and Quinn was talking about getting through the backlog. McMahon, yeah. you know, presented. The issues differently. He talked about all the things they had done to make the streets safer and that, you know, some of the numbers favored crime going down and all that. And, of course, the challenger, at no surprise, Mr. McMahon talked about there's gun violence, there's fentanyl, there's drugs, there's shootings and stabbings yeah. every night you put on the news and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And then she advocated... To the extent that that's Tom Quinn's fault. You know, right. I'm well, not sure. <laughs> right. You know, you know, then, you yeah. know, she went into the 
smart on crime versus tough on crime, that we should have a veterans court, we should have a mental health court, we should have substance abuse uh, interdiction in the courts, and really try to get the nonviolent offenders out of jail and then really go full boat toward those who are the violent offenders. Sure. So, you know, that wasn't really anything. You know, and then uh, there was one point in the debate where Mr. Quinn started saying things like, well, you know, she's making false statements and, you know, I've been keeping people off the street and that's a false statement and she doesn't have the experience that I have. That's true. And uh, that kind of stuff. And then at one point, he I remember thinking he blurted out, you know, she's making things up and that's a false statement, you know, about the prison population. You know, he contended that the prison population in Bristol County had actually gone down. Uh, she made some other statement about, you know, crime was going up and stuff like that. So he accused her of a false statement. But then the testiest moment of the debate came when... Mr. Quinn addressed her, indicating, well, you know, let me talk about her career, because she was talking about... Oh, man. He was saying... He, oh, come he, on. He was, he was saying um, that, you know, she didn't have the experience, and she only had a couple of years as a you know, prosecutor, and this yeah. and that, and he had 30 years, and he prosecuted Jason Robinson, the terrible case in Dartmouth, where, you know, a kid gets stabbed and all that. Tom actually prosecuted that case. Uh, years ago, he also prosecuted. It's smart of him to bring it local to the, right. the forum. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. And I, I remember that, but I kind of forgot about it until he said it. You yeah. know, I remember him prosecuting that case. And of course, his office successfully prosecuted the Aaron Hernandez case, a couple of high profile cases. The case with the young lady. Michelle who, Carter. Yeah, Michelle Carter, yep. who, who encouraged the uh, suicide and all that. So he brought all those cases yep. up. Very, very persuasive argument to mm-hmm. say those are three high profile cases and we successfully prosecuted them all. But then he questioned her, you know, her standing as a the DA and all of her time as an attorney, and she didn't have the experience. And he said, well, let's talk about this, you know. She resigned from my office. I, I, knew I, it. I told her to leave my office due to her having been alleged yes. to have committed an assault and battery against her husband or boyfriend. She was intoxicated at the time yeah. and then tried to frame him. Yep. And that he was on the phone saying, hey, she's hitting me, she's hitting me. And then he, she tried to frame him, saying that it was him that was striking her, but yeah. it was her that was striking him. And then he said that she then went to a law enforcement friend and tried to get the law enforcement friend to help her frame the husband or the boyfriend. So he said that yeah, was I knew, terrible. I knew he was going to bring yeah, that so up. That, so then yeah. he proceeded to say something like, and this person wants to be a prosecutor? This is a person who's going to decide yeah. who to prosecute? Yeah. You know, how, how could she possibly say that? And he's ranting and raving. So then because in that format they didn't have the question to the first person, response to the second, and then rebuttal by the first person, it went to the next question. So then when she had a chance to talk to you, and I'm going to go back to what he said before. You know, I, I wasn't drunk like he was saying. We had a glass of wine. She had a glass of wine. He had been diagnosed with some illness, uh, some serious illness. They had some kind of a disagreement. It didn't go down the way he said. She, he said that she didn't cooperate with the authorities. I cooperated with the authorities. I gave all the medical records having to do with that night. He's saying I didn't yeah. cooperate. That's not true. I cooperated. He's trying to say I didn't cooperate. I, I actually thought so, she responded to WB. There's a story on WBSM.com yeah. about it. I thought she responded fairly well to that. Right. You know, because that was, I knew about that, right, just from working in the in the area. And I was like, how is she going to answer that? Because as soon as yeah. she declared, I'm like, now, is she going to answer that? But I thought she and I in that in that statement on WBSM.com. I'm not talking about tonight, but in the statement on WBSM.com, I thought she. It's a bad story, and I thought she did it the best she could with it. Yeah, you know, you know it was interesting because that that debate or that forum, the place was crowded. You know, it was like standing room only. Really? Whereas, yeah, we're, I mean, it's a small room, but it's a good size room, and there were people that. That's were, good that there's a lot of interest yeah, in that. Yeah, I thought so. And then in the entrance and exit, the people were kind of piled up, and the, they couldn't get into the room. You know, so there was definitely a lot of people there. But then, when the debate 
went in that direction. I was kind of looking around the room, yeah. and everybody was just like aghast because no, you, was... you could you could hear a pin drop. <laughs> And that exchange you was going I mean, on. I, was, I knew that um, was going to happen. I, I was almost like, well, I, it would have been, I mean, how can you not bring that up if you're Tom Quinn, right? Yeah, I, as it was going along, I was thinking to myself, I wonder, he's gonna, I wonder if he's going to bring that up. But I think what happened was, I think she made some kind of a statement. And I don't think she meant this to be the case, but she made some kind of a statement which he took as questioning his integrity. And I could see him, like, you know, wrestling side by side in his seat. And I was thinking, oh, boy, I think he's getting a little testy over there. So then all of a sudden, here it came. The only thing, they did tell me, you know, hey, make sure you try to, you know, once the two minutes are up, I would have to say, "Uh, excuse me, time's up, time's up. Mr. Quinn (laughs) wanted to keep going over all the time, you know. So I kept saying, Mr. Quinn, Mr. Quinn. He goes, oh, yeah, then he wanted to get one more shot in there, you know, so I had to keep, uh, you know. Uh, jumping in, and I had to stop her a couple of times too. But you know, when you're in the heat of the debate, two minutes is not very long. It's not, and you just get rolling, and all of a sudden, here comes the moderator and shutting you down. Moderating debates is very difficult. Um, so, uh, who do you think won? Well, again, I got to say that you know, Tom Quinn, again, seasoned prosecutor, thirty years, been doing the job, has all the statistics. You know, went off and yeah. told about all the cases he had successfully prosecuted, all the experience that he had. He said that he was one of the few. People in office, uh, I want to make sure I say this correctly, but it was something to the effect that he was one of the few that both prosecuted and defended murders. So he did it on both sides. So he saw it from both sides. Um, Another issue came up, prosecuting police misconduct. So Tom would say... Well, well, so that was going to be my next question, Mm -hmm. because there's there's a lot going on, and particularly the Fall River Police Department, right? right. Mm -hmm. And so I'd wonder if any of that stuff came up, or if if Shannon tried to to bring it up and and, and pin it on him. Well, there was a case, apparently, and you might know about the facts a little bit better than I do, because I've been following, but kind of from a distance. There was a case where there was, I believe, a defendant who was in the process of assaulting with, you know, serious, attempted serious injury, putting the police officer's life in danger, and a police officer fired back and they killed him. And, yeah. and you know, there, I know I've heard interviews with family members who are very concerned, but what happened was is that one of the officers was a kind of a family friend of Tom Quinn. I think he was somebody that like, they played ball together, something like that, right? Yeah. And then it didn't come out, and then, you know, Later on, somebody said, hey, wait a minute. Quinn's friendly with that guy, right? Yeah. So then he goes, well, yeah, I know that guy. You know what I mean? So then, the, so then she said, well, why didn't you say that before? It was only because somebody caught you. That's why you didn't say it. Quinn would say, well, it's, wait a minute. You know, that, that guy wasn't the person who actually shot the individual. Yeah. And then secondly, I have prosecuted police officers who, you know, engage in misconduct. And she would say, well, but you've, you've been more, like, sympathetic to the officer and you've kind of sided with the officer when you should have gone after the officer kind of a thing. You know, so that's, yeah. they went back and forth on that a little bit, you know. But as far as winning the debate, I, I would have to give a nod to Quinn mm-hmm. and Representative Markey also, you know, again, you know, being able to reel off the, the statistics and the accomplishments and so forth like that, really an advantage to the incumbent, especially yeah. if the incumbent doesn't have a big, big, like, black eye. You You're know talking I mean? about... Two people in particular, two that are themselves um, well-established political institutions, right? Quinn has run – this is the first time I think Quinn's on an, an opponent in an election. 
Uh, his brother's a state rep. His brother was a state rep, a candidate for sheriff. His father was a judge, and I believe the mayor of Fall River. Well, his uncle was a judge too. His uncle was father a judge. and uncle. Yeah, mm-hmm. they were. So he's well known and well respected in the community. Uh, Chris Markey, same thing. You know, we know about uh, his father and what his father's accomplished. His brother's a well-known lawyer in the area too, right? And you know, his his sister's a well-known. Um, person in the area as well, also a lawyer. So, so there's, so there's, so it's, again, it's difficult for a challenger to, because you're going to make the argument, you're voting for this guy, but you're making a mistake doing it, right? And you have to have, I think, a really well-organized, well-funded way of messaging that. And these two candidates do not have it. They don't. They don't seem to have it. Uh, I don't. I like Shannon. Um, I think she's a good person, right? And she she was a great. She I, I I'm a, I'm sure she was a good attorney. Um, I don't know much about her legal work. I'm sure she's a good attorney because she's one of the better law students in class. But I don't see. I don't see a lot of not a lot of here. I just don't see. It, I don't see what she's doing, how she's campaigning. I don't see is a winning campaign against uh, someone who's, um, again, of 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 D.A. Quinn stature. Again, I could be wrong, but I don't think I am. Uh, it's difficult. Again, I think there's uh, there's message. I, I don't think there's enough. There wasn't enough messaging. I've seen a couple like press releases that were sent. One was about Roe v. Wade, but that's not an issue that's going to resonate mm-hmm. with voters in Bristol County. Um, when I think people more or less feel safe here and any issues that are going to happen with abortion are going to be way out of Tom Quinn or any DA's control in any county, right, really, uh, throughout the Commonwealth. So, yeah, um, interesting stuff, though. 508-996-0500 is how you can get the program. We're going to take a break. We'll be right back. 1420 WB. Loud, where they, um, you know, where there's, was there clapping, right? No, they actually followed the rule that you weren't supposed to clap until the end. I did uh, notice, though, one time, a couple of times, you know, Quinn actually blurted something out when he wasn't supposed to. So it was one of these. That happens. You know, he would, he went first, and then she rebutted. And then right when I was going to ask the next question, he blurted out a one-liner like, oh, yeah, that's, you know, that's going to, she's going to do that. Then people, a couple of people laughed. I said, Mr. Quinn, now, you know, I, <laughs> I think she even said, because the highway murders came up, you know. Oh, God. And, you know, what are you doing about the highway murders Why? and this and that? So she's like, well, you know, he's not doing enough on the highway murders. So then he said, well, I got a, an assistant DA right in this room right here that's put in countless hours trying to figure out that highway murders. And then as, at some point during the thing, he blurted out something like, she's not going to solve the highway murders. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Something like that. And then a couple of people say, okay, you know. But no, there was no, um, you know, outburst by the audience or anything like that. That would be an interesting like campaign angle. If you could find, like, a, a way to, like, say, I'm going to solve the highway murders right. or I have a plan to solve yeah. the highway murders and this is how. Something like that. Mm-hmm. If you could do that, I think, is it good enough to win? No, I think it's interesting, at least. I think yeah. uh, people well, we're, will be we're talking, talking about it. We were talking off air a moment ago. No smoking gun against either one of these candidates, no. either Markey or Quinn. No. I mean, there's no big black eye. There's no, like, well, you blew this case and you blew that case. If anything, they've successfully, you know, convicted people on high-profile cases. And, yeah. you know, uh, you know, obviously Aaron Hernandez, you know, obviously a big football star. They had a pretty good case. But, you know, sometimes you get a rich, rich person, you know, like O.J. Simpson or something like that. People thinking maybe he might get off. But 
successfully prosecuted that case. Michelle Carter, a lot of people thought that that was an impossible prosecution, it's successfully true. convicted that, that one. That is true. And so, you know... There's a lot of people that thought there's there's no way she could have been convicted. Right. And so, you know, yeah. he, he was kind of like, you know, he had his, himself prepared that I did this, I did that, we've done this, we've done that, I got this experience, I got that experience. Yeah. And so it was hard for her to come back with something that was stronger than a lot of that stuff. Yeah. So, but it was interesting. It was definitely, uh, it got tested there for a couple of months and I kind of glanced out into the crowd and I'm thinking, oh, you could hear a pin drop at this moment as they're slugging it out for right. about that five minute moment. But, uh, uh, but again, you know, a couple of times, uh, Tom liked to go over the time a little bit. And so I had to keep, I had to keep shutting him down. Yeah, I know. Well, that's, you know, that's how it is. Especially like you want to get your point across. It's yeah. really important. You know, you're, you're trying to get real like that. You want to get your point across. They gave me a gavel. I, I didn't use the gavel, but there was a gavel up there. Gavel would've, would have been a lot, man. Yeah, yeah. Wouldn't it have been kind of silly if I started banging the gavel? I don't know. I, I think uh, people would have liked that. I don't think so. No, I don't think so. 508 We're going to take a break. TV show. Favorite TV show of all time? Of all time. Oh, wow. Oh, boy. You know, I always put a, a couple of shows on this list, maybe three or four. You probably sure. will chuckle because this goes back a long time. Oh, no. Classic Trek. Okay? okay. The original Star Trek with Captain Kirk, Mr. Spock, and all that, right? Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm sorry. I know that dates me, okay? Uh, yes. And there's a controversial show that I put as one of the top shows of all time. You want to take a guess at what that is? It was a comedy, and it was very controversial. It is All in the Family. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Now, here's the thing about All in the Family, yeah. right? So Archie was a bigot, and he blurted out all kinds of stuff he, was. he wasn't supposed to. And uh, he had the son-in-law who was uh, more open-minded and all that. Uh-huh. And the stuff that they talked about and the things that they said were incredible for television. And I got to tell you, I think now, you know, the pendulum was swung to the point where we're, like, afraid to... Like, make fun of somebody or, you know, the whole point of the thing was to kind of poke fun at the fact that this guy had these attitudes that probably most of our grandfathers, unfortunately, Mm -hmm. had, you know. And so we're trying to expose that. The problem is a lot of people watched it because they agreed with them. That was yeah. the only problem. But, but yeah. as far as how funny it was, it wasn't like, you know, uh, I love yeah. 